This is an ABC podcast. So golf is a force for good. It goes everywhere with the right platform because it delivers the right message from education to hospitality to employment to tourism. Everywhere you go, golf is a force for the good. In case you missed it, the Greg Norman fronted Saudi-backed Cam Smith starring Live Golf League has rolled into Adelaide. And if Australian golf fans are uncomfortable with the source of funding for the Rebel League, you know, the whole Saudi sports washing thing, well, golf fans have an odd way of showing distaste. The thing is completely sold out. So is Australia going to be the place that Live proves its concept? That in a moment, plus we'll have our weekend footy forecast and some sound bites. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Jimmy Emanuel is a golf writer for Golf Australia. He is in Adelaide at the Live event. For all the negative press, Aussie golf fans are going to flock to this Live event in Adelaide in droves. Is our nation the biggest Live supporters on earth? I think that's a pretty uh, accurate statement there. There's not been more support and certainly not more tickets sold for any live event to date. So uh, I think Australians have really taken to it and particularly the people of South Australia, it looks like this week. I remember I, um, I called my team when I saw the sold out sign going on the banner on the website. I said, something's gone wrong. <laughs> and they went back and checked and said, no, you're not going to believe it. Um, it's sold out. So what does that tell us about Australian golf fans and their affection or otherwise for the live concept? Is it that they love the way that this is changing the sport or does it speak to um, I guess a starvation of events or and high quality golf talent in Australia? I think it's it's probably a little bit more the latter. Look, we, we've had some good events. We've had President's Cups and we've had big name Australians and other, and other players come and play, but there's not been as much concentrated sort of talent of high level talent in Australia for a long time. I think that's the main driver. Australia really has never seen the best of the best on a consistent, regular basis. Yeah, we've had the President's Cup here. Yeah, we've had the World Cup here. We've had events down here, there's no question. But an event of this magnitude uh, has never been delivered here before. You throw in Cam Smith as well, who's exceptionally popular here. Greg Norman in charge as well. Uh, Greg's got his detractors, but he's still got a lot of uh, cult hero status with Australian golfers as well. And that's all sort of combined to, to get this over the line. Yeah, sure, there's a few who think about the format as a great thing and maybe don't like the PGA Tour, but I think it's more just you know bringing a, a bunch of good players into, into Australia is what's got people behind it. I'm not sure all Australian sports fans understand why this particular event is so crucial to the Rebel League. Can you just outline why it's so important off the back of the Masters? Live Golf's had its detractors and it's also uh, its events have been going along now for almost 18 months now but it hasn't had a, a really huge crowd and reception and, and really a, a government like the state government here in South Australia that's taken it on board. There's definitely going to be uh, a few people around. The stands look pretty um, pretty remarkable there. Hopefully we get a hole in one. Hopefully it's one of us boys and yeah I think it's going to be pretty rowdy nonetheless. And the Masters was the first time we got to see all the Live players and the PGA Tour players who could qualify in the one place and saw that they all weren't, you know, fighting each other physically or anything like that in in person. So this is a big event for them to push on from there where a couple of their players played well and to sort of get a bit more validity, I suppose, in the the world golf space where it's been questioned a lot, crowds have been questioned a lot and, and whether people are actually paying attention to it and whether people actually enjoy it than the traditional 72 holes of stroke play that we get on the PGA Tour and other tours around the world. 
The South Australian government has had some pushback regarding the accusations of sports washing. How are they justifying their position? That's the ongoing sort of story with Live Golf. It, it, in all honesty, it has quietened a little bit this year compared to last year when Live launched. But it's a, con- a concern around human rights and everything like that, and it's an ongoing discussion. Greg Norman was in the media centre yesterday and asked about whether he'd spoken to what you'd call maybe his bosses in Saudi Arabia about human rights. Because I'm, I'm the chairman and CEO of Live Golf Investments, and that's where I focus. I focus on golf. I stay focused on golf. And the Premier, Peter Malnauskas, was asked a similar question and, and he sort of justified it as bringing big events to Australia and to Adelaide particularly and and that you know Australia's got existing relationships with Saudi Arabia. The Commonwealth Government over a period of decades has actively chosen to engage with a whole range of very substantial trading partners and Saudi Arabia is no exception. He was very impressive, the Premier, yesterday. He maybe talked around the question a little bit, but he was very impressive at sort of shutting down that, question, that line of questioning. It seems to us that Australian golf fans aren't too concerned and they're embracing Liv. Do you think it'll result in us seeing more events and which state government might host them? It's a funny one. There, there was this discussion and Greg himself a, a couple of weeks ago had mentioned about more events and all this sort of stuff. But trust me, this morning, because of the impact the Premier and his tourism department and the state has done in this, in this country, my phone is ringing off the hook. I can, but it's not just Australia, it's the rest of the world. But to my understanding, the schedule's pretty set for next year as well, so I don't think 2024 is going to see another Australian event. And I'd be fairly confident that the South Australian government's negotiations to, to pay some money to have them here would probably rely on it being the only Australian event to bring in a lot of tourism, which it's done. There's roadblocks into other states, particularly Victoria, uh, New South Wales and, and Queensland. So whether or not we'd have more events and where they could go is uh, a bit of a rumour that I don't think quite has a lot of validity just yet, at least in the immediate future. Jimmy Emanuel, thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. It's Anzac round in the AFL, so get ready for hairs to stand on end with the last post coming at you deluxe. You can also get ready for a grand final rematch as Sydney head to Geelong to face the Cats. The reigning premiers have had a slow start to the year, but you wonder how the Swans' backline might cope with Jeremy Cameron, given his absurd level of individual form. Running downhill, collected by Cameron. He's got seven. The Bloods' backline is missing both McCartan brothers as well as co-captain Dane Rampey. I'm not sure what's a bigger challenge, dealing with the threat of Cameron and Tom Hawkins undermanned or facing up to the ghosts of Geelong's incredible domination from grand final day last year. Carlton off the back of an embarrassing defeat. St Kilda off the back of their first loss of the season. This game feels especially big for the Navy Blues and coach Michael Voss. You sense Carlton are a victim of everyone else's expectations and that loss to Adelaide has this game on every footy fans weekend watch list. Also, isn't it weird to think that if not for a last minute board change of heart two years ago, Ross Lyon would probably be coaching the Navy Blues right now. Which brings us to St Kilda. They lost the game but few admirers in their one goal defeat to Collingwood last week but is this the moment we start to see them regress to the mean or will a win here underscore they are too legit to quit Sunday afternoon is going to be great Speaking of coaching storylines, the Gold Coast clash with North Melbourne feels like a danger game for Suns boss Stewie Jew because the Queensland team are due 
see what we did there. A defeat from Alistair Clarkson, who was keen to coach the Suns, but instead landed at the Kangaroos, would really emphasise the choice of the Gold Coast to back in due, and the contrast of a resurgent North Melbourne would be ugly for the fading Suns. Much at stake, and a reminder, you can catch every game ad-free on the Listen app. The link is in our show notes. Let's pivot to the NRL with Channel 9 scooperholic Zach Bailey. Zach, rugby league fans still reeling after the Bunnies knocked off the Panthers in an absolute thriller. The images were visceral. Latrell Mitchell going beast mode. Cody Walker's brilliant pass to Isaiah Tass. It was something else. What's the biggest takeaway from the Rabbitohs win? Well, it's the fact that just simply, Stucky, their ability to beat Penrith, it's been their bogey team in recent seasons. I think they had won one of their last 10 against them. So to beat them in the regular season ahead of probably another finals match is huge for the Bunnies. And I spoke to a couple of their players afterwards, and that's what they said. They didn't didn't want to go into it too much on camera, but off camera they said just to get a win over them, it gives them all the belief. And as you said, they're big stars. Clutch play from Cody Walker. 16, center field left, nearly is to Walker. Here they go. Latrell Mitchell, cut out pass to Johnston. Steps in field into To'o and Salmon. Got the pass back to Latrell. Turns it into Tess. See you later. Isaiah Tess. He's over. He's going to win it for South. The Bunnies fans, they were lapping it up last night. Interesting to see Tass scoring the match winner given all the speculation that Jack Whiten, the Raider, might join the Bunnies next season. Can you tell me how would it be feasible that Whiten could fit in at Souths from a salary cap point of view? Well, the Roosters get hammered being across the road with their salary cap sombrero, so I don't know what the Rabbitohs have, but um, that's footy fans just getting stuck into the Rabbitohs at the moment. Look, it all comes down to how much of a pay cut that Jack Whiten's willing to take. There's talk that the Dolphins could throw him $1.2 million a season, which is kind of crazy cash. The Raiders have already come out uh, and said that they're going to offer him $1.1. If he's going to be a bunny, it's probably going to be more likely $700,000, $800,000. So it'll come down to the factor as does he want money or does he want to win a premiership, which he said he's desires to win a comp, and alongside his great mate Latrell Mitchell. So if he goes to the Bunnies, Latrell Mitchell, he's got a lot of weight. They love him there, and uh, they're going to try, or he's going to try his best to get his good mate there alongside him. Not the only big contract story this week. Rugby Australia talking about targeting Broncos enforcer Payne Haas. Brisbane take on Parramatta on Friday night. How real is the probability of seeing Haas in Wallabies gold? Well, I don't know how probable because I'm not inside Payne's head, but it would be a massive loss to rugby league and it would be a massive signing for rugby Australia. I think he's the athlete. Like, he's got the engine, he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's just got all the attributes and he's still young. He's got age on his side. So I think he'd thrive in rugby union. He'd obviously, technically, he'd have to learn a fair bit, but it would be a massive loss to the game. He'd love a try against his old team. He's tackled by Bateman, five out. Passes a dummy half and he says, get out of my way. Brisbane will have a fight on their hands because Rugby Australia, they've got cash. They've thrown a lot of Joseph Suwali'i. If Payne Huss goes, they're going to probably have to throw over a million dollars to try and get him to switch codes. So watch his space. Not sure whether it will happen, but hopefully uh, he stays in the NRL for another couple of years. Zach Bailey, you're a generous man. Generous with your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. All good. Thanks, Ducky. Time for the sound bites that caught our ears this week. Did you ever hear about those high schools that had a no long hair policy? Well, the Newcastle Knights won a version of that in rugby league after Tyson Frizzell was penalised for pulling Jerome Luai's long, luscious locks. Well, when his hair's hanging down, halfway down his back, and I'm going to make a tackle, it's incidental if I, I guess if I do pull his hair 
it's classified as a, a penalty, but it wasn't intentional and like threw a tie's hair up. It's a big call in the context of a game like that. Right? Huge. It's ridiculous. Or just otherwise I'll advise them all to start going on the hair long. How good's the language? The hair pull was downgraded from reckless to incidental. More of it, we say. In the NBA playoffs, things are heating up, and Memphis's Dylan Brooks got into it with LeBron James. Some suggested he shouldn't have been firing up an all-time great. The Grizzlies player was wearing Corey Worthington-style sunnies, an enormous gold chain, a plaid coat, and no shirt when he told reporters... I don't care, he's old. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's... I poke bears. I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. Just by saying it, you feel like 40 might be coming from James soon. And speaking of talking yourself up, did you catch Jeremy Cameron ear-bashing his newborn with tales from his latest round of golf? Yes, I was going all right. I was on like 34 points or something and going down the 16th. I've made up and down for a bogey, which you take that. I had a shot on my handicap, but then rolling around to the par 5, 17th, I just said, you know what? I'm going to take it on. I'm going to get the big stick out, the tailor made and whack it across the water. And you should have seen where I hit it. Oh, my God. It would have went 348 metres down there. Ended up making par, but, yeah, we move on. Uh, Five for three. We've all got that one friend that thinks we care about their round. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to ESPN and Jeremy Cameron's Instagram for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.